What's up, everybody? This is Athena, and you're here for a super special bonus episode of Vanished in the Valley. And the whole reason I'm doing a little special mini bonus episode today is because eight years ago today, August 18th, 2012, a woman by the name of Heather Cameron called 911 several times. She was hysterical. She was saying she had been drugged. She was also saying that she was in fear for her life. She was literally begging the 911 operator to send help right away. In the background of this call, you could actually hear a male's voice. You couldn't actually hear what he was saying. You could just tell someone was in the background and they were a male. Now, this wasn't the first 911 call. Heather had made from that area, Keswick Dam, right by Redding, California. She had actually made a series of 911 calls that entire week leading up to the last day anyone ever heard from her. Her and her ex-boyfriend, Daniel Lunsby, had been at this dam, I guess, riding around on the trails and the first time a 911 call comes into the center, it's basically just saying that Daniel Lunsby had crashed his car and the caller felt that he had left his girlfriend or ex-girlfriend, Heather Cameron, out there. Which actually, it ended up not being true. She actually got a ride out of there on a four-wheeler, like an ATV. So... These two, I mean, I get it's super fun to like go out trailing and like be in the nature stuff, but I don't know. They they really seem to like this place. And as we're going to get into Heather's story today, it's going to intersect with the Aryan Brotherhood, a drug problem, possible police either involvement in the sex trade or just being complacent in the Reading sex trade. I got into a whole rabbit hole when we opened up Heather's case and started looking into it just because Reading has so many issues going on right now. The homeless problem is out of control. There's a huge meth problem up there. There's also this crackhead church called the Bethel Church. And I call them a crackhead church because they literally try to resurrect a four-year-old And they do this thing called grave breathing, where they describe it as basically getting on top of a grave and trying to breathe out the last bit of energy of a dead person. And I'm not Christian or anything, but that shit sounds like straight anti-Christian. Like, I want to know who the fuck gave them permission to be breathing out any part of energy on any person. That sounds super anti-Abrahamic religion, if you ask me. But the Bethel Church, that's a problem we'll get into a little bit later. Let's, uh, let's start with Heather. <laughs> so Heather is a 28-year-old woman. She is about 5'6", 115 pounds. She has brown hair, brown eyes, and she's of the Grand Ronde tribe. So she's Native American. And the Grand Ronde tribe, it's like a confederate tribe. There's several different tribes involved in it. 
and they actually have put up a reward for her safe return or information leading to, I guess, maybe a body. And I actually, after talking to a bunch of people up there, I've had two different people give me the location of her body. And check this out. This is the crazy part. I contacted the Shasta Sheriff's Department by email and phone call with this information, and a detective couldn't be bothered to call me back. I tried emailing two times, and I called once. So, I mean, apparently they they don't really give a shit about Heather Cameron. I know the first day when she called 911, they did put a huge effort into finding her. They had helicopters out. They had multi-agencies out there looking for her, but they came away with nothing. Private searches a week or two later actually came up with an EBT card of Heather's. So all we have is just basically that, her 911 call and her EBT card. And her ex-husband, Sean, and her have three daughters together. And she also has a son from a different relationship. So Heather is the mother of four children. And this is four children that don't have a mother. And I've also heard stories from multiple people. Okay, guys, this isn't just like one person telling me this. I've had three different people tell me this, what I'm about to tell you, with remarkable similarity on the details. Apparently... Heather had found out that her boyfriend Daniel and his friend Donnie were sex trafficking women from Reading. And the women they were sex trafficking were women that had drug problems, specifically meth. And I guess they found out Heather was going to go to the law enforcement there and tell them what was happening with the sex trafficking. And the way they found out gets even crazier. Apparently, one of these scumbags that were involved with the sex traffickers has a cell tower on his property. And a particular cell phone company rents out this tower, and they were able to figure out how to hack into it to listen to phone calls. And apparently, that's how they figured out Heather was going to let law enforcement know about this. And they weren't about to let that happen. They're not going to let some chick get in the way of them making money. And these guys, they are known around Reading for taking women and getting them addicted to drugs and then pimping them out. Literal, like, that's basically a definition of sex trafficking. These guys are like the scumbags I'm constantly screaming about on my podcast on a weekly basis. I've heard a couple of stories of how she was actually killed, and I'm going to go into detail today. I'm going to tell you exactly what I was told that was done, allegedly done, to Heather. So apparently, Daniel and Donnie get her out by Keswick Dam, out in the middle of literal nowhere, and they start beating her. They rape her. And this is all being filmed. There was a third witness there. And he told one of the, my, one of the people that have talked to me, He told this girl that the screams from Heather will echo in his head until the day he dies or the day Heather receives justice. So I don't know if you if you are one of the ones that was there that day that raped and killed Heather. I think it's about time 
you come forward and let law enforcement know what you did. Her family and her children deserve answers. And I think maybe it might bring them a little bit of peace to give her a proper burial. Her tribe wants her back and they are offering a reward for that. So if you know who did this to her, maybe you should go to law enforcement and claim the reward. Get Heather brought home to her family. And say like you want to let law enforcement know, but you don't want anything to do with law enforcement, you can contact me at vanishedinthevalley at gmail.com or you can go to the Instagram or the Facebook at Vanished in the Valley and you can contact me there and I will let them know what you have to say. But as far as the details of this video, apparently they rape her and then they end up bludgeoning her to death. And at some point, they decided to sew her hand to her mouth as a sign for other snitches to keep your mouth closed. Now, I was told multiple times that these guys were part of the Aryan Brotherhood, and I don't know how credible that is. I mean, looking at some of their tattoos, I'd say, yeah, <laughs> they're probably part of the Aryan Brotherhood. But I, I don't know. I've tried to contact a few of them, and they haven't responded. So all I have is hearsay, and that's why I'm saying allegedly, and you're going to hear allegedly 15 times throughout this whole little podcast. So allegedly, after they rape, torture, and murder this girl, they take her body up to a specific trail and dump it in a cave. And these aren't just like super easy, you know, day hiking trails. You either need to have four-wheel drive ATVs or a horse, something like that to get to some of these areas. It's super rural. And I do know there was a fire there not too long ago that basically wiped the whole area out. So the terrain may be a little bit different than it was in 2012 when Heather was there and was murdered. But what I want to know is if I was able to talk to people and I guess, uh, dig this information up about Heather's murder. Why weren't the Shasta County Sheriff's or the Reading PD able to get any of this information? I have one theory from a girl I was talking to up there. She said she's heard rumors about the type of abuse that these men commit against women up there and that she had heard rumors that allegedly Daniel's friend Donnie had done the murdering and she was going to report this to the police department. Well, before she could actually make this report, she gets a phone call on her cell phone and the person calling identifies himself as a detective with the Reading PD and that he had heard she had had some information for him. Well, she was kind of surprised and she's like, well, yeah, actually... I've heard a rumor about Donnie and the police officer then interrupts her and says, well, that's funny because I've got him sitting right here. And I guess what you've heard is just a rumor. So you don't even have to report that. So right there, it just sounds like there's some way fishy shit going on with criminals and police intermingling, maybe a bit too closely. And She's not the only one that I've got this information of the police protecting these guys from. I've heard it from three or four different girls up there. 
I've heard that girls could be down at the river and these guys would send other guys down to the river to try to get these girls to come back to his property because he lived way up in the hills and he had, you know, I guess maybe he probably cooked meth up there by himself. Who knows? But when you start to hear the same story from different people, you start to figure there is some truth to it and there probably is some crazy shit going on up in Reading. I mean, Reading's been known for as long as I've known about Reading, which is like 30 years. The reason that is, is because Reading has Highway 5 basically running right through it, and it's a big rig hub. So there's casinos there now, which I hear has a huge sex trafficking problem. There's also a bunch of massage parlors that has sex trafficking running through it. And to their credit, I do know there was just a bust a few months ago that did rescue several girls and arrested a couple of people. So, I mean, maybe they are trying to help. I'm not sure exactly what the deal is, but I don't, you hear, you hear a lot of things and it could be just a case of the police are super underfunded there. So are the sheriffs. It's not one of the richest counties in California and the sheriff's pay is directly related to taxes. And if, you know, a lot of people are under the poverty line and not paying taxes, you're not going to have a very big sheriff's force. And if you want, you can go back and listen to the older episodes about Heather. Um, There's going to be more detail in the older ones. I just wanted to do today's episode just because this is now the eighth anniversary. We're nowhere near closer to finding out what happened to Heather, where her body is, and who's responsible. There is a tip line you can call. It's area code 530-378-4491. And you can make an anonymous tip there and just let them know what you know about what happened to Heather and where her body is. Any amount of information is good at this point because her case is running cold and not many people are talking about Heather anymore. And Reading in general is having a huge problem with missing women. If you look into it, their rate of missing people is a lot higher than California's state average. Which makes you wonder why. It's, you know, it's not a huge city. It's, you know, right under 100,000 people. So, what the fuck is going on, Redding? (laughs) Here we are again. Vanished in the Valley is back in your hood wanting to know where Heather is. So, what I can surmise what happened to Heather is she ran afoul of some really disgusting, dangerous men that have no problem abusing and murdering women and... I think that's exactly what happened to her. The rumor is this tape still exists and it's in the garage of, I don't even want to say the the motorcycle gang affiliation, but it's in one of these guys' garages. If the police looked hard enough, if they cared, I think they could actually do something about it. So, Heather Cameron, I'm still thinking about you. I think about you all the time. And until your body is found and justice is served, every August 18th, I will do a little mini episode just based on and dedicated to you. And before I sign off and uh, get on out of here, I did have some updates on a couple of other cases. So Suzanne Morphew is still missing. She is the mother that was bike riding, quote unquote bike riding, on Mother's Day in Colorado. And supposedly she went missing and nobody's seen her since. Well, I don't know. She's still MIA and 
Apparently, the sheriff's department has now served another search warrant on the property. We're not sure what they found, but what I can tell you is they do have their own missing poster of Suzanne, and it does not include the reward that Barry has made, the $200,000. And I read different, uh, I guess, crime sleuthing, web sleuthing websites, and some people have said that they have met Barry, like in real life, before all this happened. And that he seemed way super flirtatious, especially for a married man. And there was, I guess, maybe questions on if Barry maybe got rid of Suzanne the night before she was reported missing. I don't know. If you look on the FBI's missing list, she's not there. So does that mean the FBI doesn't think she's missing? Do they think she's actually dead? I don't know. But I thought that was super weird. There's just not a lot of information that's coming out about Suzanne anymore. It's been really, really quiet. Um, And another case that I had talked about recently was Enrique Roman Martinez. I just wanted to let everybody know that the reward for information leading to an arrest in that case has been increased to $25,000. So if you have information, make sure you contact Fort Bragg's CID And let them know what you know. Let's get Enrique some justice. Because his family and him deserve that. And I also wanted to let you guys hear the 911 call that his quote-unquote friends made that day he went missing. So get ready for this. And (laughs) I don't know. I thought it sounded suspicious, but go into it with an open mind. We are at Cape Lookout Island and between uh, mile marker uh, 46 and, and 47 uh-huh. by the jetties. And we uh, we lost our friend. We don't know where he has gone. And we're kind of worried that he, something happened to him. Where's the, where's the last spot you saw him at? The last, we all went to bed last night and... When we woke up, he was not here, and we've been looking for him all day. We were trying to find the park ranger or we, their offices or anything, and so we went all the way to the uh, to the ferry, and we found where that we needed to dial 911. We weren't sure if that's what we had to do out here. So yeah, we can we can get core, um, uh, park service in contact with you, sir. Are you are you on Corbanks or Shackleford? Are you like close to close to Cape Lookout? We're on Cape Lookout. Okay, oh, I see where you're at. Okay. All right, and how long has he been missing? Um, then we woke up at, I woke up at 8.30, and we've been looking for him all day. We weren't sure if he, what, we might be afraid that he might have hurt himself, or we're, we're, we're really not sure. Okay, hold on one second. And you said between mile markers 36 and 37? No, 46 and 46 and 47. Okay, sorry about yeah. that. No, you're fine. And when was the last time you saw him? So we all went to bed at mid, at 12.03. That's when we all decided to go to bed, and that is the last time we saw him. Okay, hold on one second, sir. All right, sir, I'm sorry about that. What's the phone number you're calling from? Okay, what's your name? And how old is he? He is 22. 22? Or 21, I'm sorry, 21. Okay, and does he have any physical, medical, or mental conditions that we need to be aware of? 
Um, he did. He he wasn't diagnosed, but he did have suicidal tendencies. Okay. Okay. I just need a description of him. What's his race? He is Mexican. Okay. He has black hair, brown eyes. All right. Uh, black hair. He said brown eyes. And what's his name? His name is Roman Martinez or Enrique Martinez. Okay. You know, kind of. Enrique, sorry. It's actually. I, I'm sorry. Let me, let me backtrack. It's no Enrique Roman. I'm sorry. That is Enrique wrong. Roman is his name? Yes. Okay. Do you know what kind of clothing he was wearing at all? So he was just, when we last saw him, he was just wearing sh blue shorts. Blue shorts. <laughs> Do you know his height or weight at all? Um, I would say he's around 180, 185, and he's probably 5'6", six, five, seven. Okay, and was anybody last seen with him, or do you think he went off by himself? Oh, he had to have gone off by himself. Okay. Like I said, we all we all went to sleep. Okay, and he would have left on foot? Yes, that's the only way he had to. We only had two cars, and they were both still here. Okay. Do you know of anywhere he may have gone on the island at all? No clue. This is our first time being here, so I gotcha. we have no clue. Do you know if he took any personal items with him? We searched his tent, and everything is still there. He even left his phone in his wallet. Okay, so he doesn't have any trackable technology? Okay. No, sir. Do you know if he might have any weapons with him or anything? Negative. Okay. And then, did he leave any notes, letters, or threats or anything? I think we have looks through everywhere, and it's not his phone. We, we, we don't have the password, so we can't look on that. We can't okay. Not. So that is the only part of the 911 call that has been released. Uh, there's not really much more information to go on. I did cover him a couple episodes ago, so if you guys want more information on this case, go check it out because it's super crazy. How does a group of eight soldiers go camping and one of them end up dismembered and thrown in the ocean? And nobody knows anything about it. And I just, I thought that call was just super suspicious they had seen Rangers earlier in the day, but didn't report him missing at that point. We also have one witness that's stating they saw Enrique alive the day after these soldiers are saying they saw him. And the witness is saying he saw them all together. So there's a lot of questions. The family is not happy with the way Fort Bragg is handling the situation. And they want answers. And how can you blame them? How often are we turning on the TV these days and seeing that a soldier's been murdered or died in a training accident or disappeared? It just seems like every single week there's a new missing soldier or dead soldier. The last one I read about was Sergeant Bradley Moore, who's 36, and he was in the Texas Army National Guard. And Fort Hood says he died in a training exercise. But his cause of death is actually unclear right now. They are saying no foul play is suspected. But, you know, how many times do these soldiers have to die in training accidents or go missing or get murdered by fellow soldiers? The numbers through the roof, guys. It's really crazy. And all of this, everybody seems to know about Fort Hood right now because of Vanessa Guillon case. And I really hope that her parents are able to get that bill passed where all sexual harassment claims have to go through a third party instead of the chain of command. But overall, I think the Army needs an overhaul 
of the way they screen people even getting into the army because something's broken. Too many soldiers are killing other soldiers, raping other soldiers, and sexually harassing other soldiers. So, I don't know. Uh, Fort Hood, everybody's looking at you. So, maybe you should get your shit together. But, I guess uh, that's about it for all of my updates this week. If you guys want, stop by the Instagram and say hi. Um, I'm mostly there versus the Facebook page, but you can also stop by the Facebook page. We have a little group there where I stop in from time to time, say what's up to everybody. Sometimes I put little bonus pictures and stuff up there. So thanks everyone for listening. I see we've got all kinds of new countries tuning in. Uh, I saw Italy popped in the last time I checked, and I think that's what's up. I love you guys. Italy is awesome. I stayed in Rome for a couple months a while ago. Beautiful country and beautiful people. And Courtney, I just wanted to send you love and hugs. Hope you feel better. Kisses. Text me. Call me. Love you. So as I always say, be aware and don't forget your pepper spray. Cha-chao. Are you lost?